four days until we plug the 12th man into Seahawks training camp. Champions of the world. Brought to you by Washington's Lottery. Where will your imagination take you? Visit WaLottery.com. Seattle Sports Radio 950 KJR. Home of the 12. We got some crazy 12. No nonsense. <laughs> no pretense. I can't lie. No sitting on the fence. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. This is Elise and Jerry's 10 at 10, powered by Brooks Running. Run happy on Seattle Sports Radio 950, KJR. Welcome in, everybody. Jerry, happy Monday morning to you. Yes, we get started. I thought we were going to start right on time today for Mitchie. Instead, it's the 10 at 10 at 10 10 today. We're later than a Sherman softball classic press conference. <laughs> How late was that? <laughs> I don't know. The guy said it was like an hour or so late. Well, you know what? You got to wait for those Kobe Bryant quotes. Yes, you do. Look at Slickhog getting Kobe Bryant. Good for him. We'll uh, we'll play a little piece of that coming up in the show. But we got to get started. It's the 10 at 10. Here's number one. Number one. Man, if you like good baseball this weekend, this series, the, the Mariners can be disappointed that they lost two of three on the road to start the second half. The only thing they can be disappointed about is the result. That and the fact that their bullpen is going to be taxed for some time. And that's really what happened to lose yesterday. Their bullpen was just maxed out after 16 innings on Friday, 12 innings on Saturday. And then the bottom of the ninth, uh, Fernando Rodney asked to go not just your typical one inning save, but um, couldn't get it done. And they lose in the bottom of the ninth. Overall, though, for the weekend, as the way they start the second half, I don't think you can be disappointed with anything except for the result. It's a great glimpse of what playoff baseball could be like for this team. I mean, having to, to uh, scratch and claw for everything, runs at a premium. Uh, that's the kind of playoff baseball they potentially could play. Uh, they got to get better, at least. And it's another indicator as the trade deadline nears. We're now, what, 10 days away from the non-waiver trade deadline. Got to go out and get some help for this offense. You know, absolutely have to do that. Uh, you can't always depend on, on shutdown pitching. And that's what you were hoping that for one more game they could have done that. And for for 28, probably 33 innings of that series, uh, they were absolutely at their best pitching-wise. But you can't depend on that to carry you every time. And Fernando Rodney was was human. And Fernando Rodney was typical Fernando Rodney experience absurd when he blew that save yesterday. <laughs> and we will get into that. You mentioned the offense, Jerry. And it, right now, it, it's just the stats tell you what it is. You don't even need a superlative uh, or any kind of adjective to describe this offense right now. It's not good. They're averaging 2.2 runs per game over their last 13 games. You cannot win. You lose 3-2 to two on Friday night in 16 innings. It's ridiculous. And then you win 3-2 to two in 12 innings the next night. It's good baseball. Your pitching is carrying you. But then when it went into extras, then your bullpen is just completely depleted. And that's what happens. But their offense just has to be better. It's just not good enough. No, it absolutely isn't good enough. And it's screaming at you. You know, this team is so good, so dominant in two areas, pitching and defense. Just give it a little more help. Just have one more guy in the middle of that lineup who's dangerous, who can drive in runs. Uh, Just a little more of a boost at the top of the order in terms of getting on base. And this could be a dynamic ball club. Yeah. I mean, we now have seen six straight games against the best two teams in baseball. And 
the Mariners finished what three and three against yep. it and had a great opportunity to stretch that to four and two or five and one. Yeah, they really did. And that's what I said. I think you feel good. I don't think there's any reason right now after what you said, the series with the A's before the All-Star break, the series with the Angels after the All-Star break. There's nothing in those two series against the two best teams in baseball to make you think the Mariners are anything but a team that can be competitive, even with their flaws. Right now, those flaws are not fatal. They're obvious, but they are managing to win and play competitive baseball despite an offense that I said in those two series, they're averaging 2.2 runs per game. You would think right now they'd, they'd be getting hammered, but their pitching staff has been so good. So I think overall you should feel good about this team and very hopeful that something will happen. If you get that offense just a tick better, then what are you looking at? You're looking at a team that could really do some damage if yes. they can improve that offense. Yeah, you, you have something that you're dominant at, and you've got a ton of intangibles. Now you need to go out and make a tangible difference to that offense. Uh, Elias on the Hill tonight, the Mets in town, they've been horrible. You want to talk about a team that's bad offensively. Welcome in the New York Mets. And Elias has lost his last three starts. He's a, he has an ERA over 10 in those three starts. So for Elias, you hope with the Mets in town, this is his chance to get a good start, to start feel a little confident, get back to the Elias we saw earlier this season. You don't want this thing. It's kind of spiraling a little bit with Elias right now. He hasn't been good. In fact, he's been you know, closer to bad than he has been to good recently, and you hope this is the chance for him to have some success, get a win, feel good about himself starting the second half. Yeah, that's a huge key. Uh, it's, it's good that he's going against the National League team today. And they need him. They just, you know, the back end of that rotation can't just sit back and wait for James Paxton to get healthy. They have to contribute. Next up on the 10 at 10. Number two. This one I'm sure will elicit some reaction, Jerry, and we'd love to hear it at 49451. Fernando Rodney shoots his arrow which normally is great cause for celebration, the shooting of the arrow. We talked about it last week and how I'm not a fan, but I tolerate it because it means that he's won the game. Well, what happens when you do it and you haven't won the game yet, Jerry? That's just poor form, isn't it? He shoots the arrow to end the eighth inning. Not so cool when you blow the save in the ninth. You got Mike Trout coming up to start the ninth inning, man. You might want to just cool your jets. Save the arrow until after the game, Fernando. Mike Trout and Albert Pujols, I mean – you have to look at it, and I, I understand, and he's, he made a mistake. He got caught up in the emotion of the game, and he's a guy who's used to when that inning is over, the game is over. Uh, so I wonder if mentally, maybe emotionally, in the moment, he got caught up in the fact that, wait a minute, that you know this is normally the end of the game for me when I'm pitching. Uh, I think there's some level of confusion there. Why would you do that? And, you know, it, it looked like that one also was, was pointed right right at their bench which really got him fired right. up. Uh, it is a case of uh, uh, a premature sh- a premature shooting of the arrow. Um, that is something that uh, many men can relate to, <laughs> unfortunately. We've all been there, uh, and it's embarrassing every time. But to see, you know, uh, the Angels, you know, a lot of people don't like them because they're, they're, they're the Yankees West, right? You know, they've gone out and they've spent mega millions on uh, so many of these guys. And, uh, um, you know, it just seems like historically also, you know, every time the Mariners are good, it seems like they have to go through this team and they get on your nerves. But in terms of respecting the game, like I have no problem with Fernando Rodney celebrating a victory, the finality of it all with that arrow. You don't like it. I've come to enjoy it. 
But uh, don't count your chickens. You know, don't do that at the end of the eighth inning. Don't give a team. And in and, and baseball, it's not just like you can just take that extra motivation and go out and that's going to get you through. But don't give superstar players who are coming up to bat just another reason to try to get through to you. When you have Mike Trout and Albert Pujols exchanging fake arrows after they beat you in the ninth inning, it's yeah, it's not a pretty picture. It's completely unnecessary. It's it's for me. I said I don't, I don't. There's different rules in each sport that you play. Baseball's much more sensitive to showing up your opponent, and what that looked like to the Angel dugout certainly was that Fernando was showing up the dugout as he ended the eighth inning with an arrow. That brings us to our next stop on the ten at ten. Number three, and that was. The opponent reaction to Fernando, Tyler Skaggs, pitcher for the Angels. You saw the dugout's reaction. You saw Trout and Pujols. I mean, it was clear that they did not like Fernando Rodney putting the arrow out. You know, pointed, looked like it was pointed at him to end the eighth. Here's what Skaggs had to say about the Angels' perception of the eighth inning arrow. I'm glad we scored in one because that's ridiculous. Don't rile up our team because it's... Uh, we got a lot of good players, and I got a lot of good hitters and a lot of good uh, people. So I'm looking forward to the rest of the season. I'm looking forward to the next time we play them, too. So, Oh, boy. You got to wear it, Elise. You just you have to wear it. I mean, there's an egg on his face. Uh, he shouldn't have done it. Um, you know, you got to back that up. It's just like the next time that Richard Sherman talks trash and gets beat for a touchdown, which will be the first time in quite a long time, uh, he but has Roddy to wear White that as with well. The clap? Well, he clapped yeah, for I him. I mean, he has to wear that. I mean, you, you, you got to just you got to wear it. Yeah. Uh, you know, just like whenever whenever Gary Payton was was talking trash and putting the glove on someone, somebody crossed him over. I mean, you got to live with that. Uh, that that's the part of that's part of uh, you know the the other side of being uh, so brash. Um, but you know, it, it's it's interesting to me that that is what of all things would fire up an Angels team that always seems to kind of be like, oh, we're so far above you. So it was cool to actually see emotion shown by these superstar players to let them know that, hey, uh, this just isn't the Mariners, you know. This is an all-star closer that you beat, and you had to celebrate beating them. Well, it is interesting with the comments from Tyler Skaggs that not only was the team fired up to beat them in the ninth inning after he did that. But he mentioned coming back the next time they play the Mariners. It's like it's uh, this is something that will stick with them and it will motivate them the next time that will be in the back of their mind. So when you have a 162-game season, things tend to run together. Yeah. If the Mariners now for the Angels are going to be circled on the calendar, you don't want that. Maybe it means nothing. Maybe it does. Maybe it's a little extra juice that you need in August when you already have secured a playoff bid if you're the Angels to get you motivated. Who knows? But you don't want to give it to them. You just don't want to give them the extra motivation, whether they take advantage of it or not. But I think uh, Fernando Rodney for giving us a storyline, for for, for giving the, the competition, because at least this is what it's likely going to come down to. The Angels might chase down the A's. But more than likely, if the Mariners make the playoffs, they will be playing the Angels, you know, in a, in a one-game series. And, uh, you know, why not ruffle oh. their feathers? Why not get a little bit of that, you uh, that imagine. going right now? It is. It's going to come down to that. And then Fernando's going to be on the hill in the night to close it out, and he's going to shove <laughs> it right up there, and he's going <laughs> to shoot his arrow off into the Hey, season. watch Wouldn't out there. Watch out there, girl. Watch out there. <laughs> uh, but, you know, he was wrong. But in terms of storyline, in terms of 
uh, breaking the monotony of a baseball season where every game is just one of 62 and nobody gets too excited about anything, I applaud Fernando Rodney's absurdity. I don't applaud it. I think it just no, it I applaud it for giving up, us a storyline. Well, He's absolutely wrong, yeah. but hey, you know, I'm happy that it happened because what will we what will we be talking about other than a blown save? We'd be talking today, about Elias. Do it. We'd be talking about the I don't Seahawks want to talk about no damn Elias. Let's talk about you know. Game. <laughs> then, no. Fernando Rodney making a fool of himself is a great storyline. Oh, no. See that I always love how writers cheer for storylines. I've never done that. They naturally will appear. It's they a just, little bit of drama. Some people are gonna be, you know, on the very loyal Mariner side of this argument, which I can understand. You know, once you fall in love with your team, your team can do no wrong. Other people are going to look at it and they're going to say, you violated the terms of sportsmanship and you got what you deserved. It's the cla- It's a perfect sports argument yeah. for a Monday in July. You text us your reaction at 49451. Fernando Rodney, which side do you fall on? The loyal Mariner fan that, you know what, he's your guy so you won't criticize him? Or the fact that, you know what, that, that violated the baseball Everything the baseball code to celebrate at the end of the eighth inning when you're a closer and you know you got three more outs to get against the best hitter in baseball and one that's been one of the best hitters for over a genera- for over a decade in Albert Pujols probably not the smartest. We'll get your reaction at four nine four five run or at four nine four five one. Here's next up on the ten at ten. Number four. Would you bet on your own child, Jerry, as much as you love Miles? Would you put big money? How about Rory McIlroy's dad? I love this story. Back in 2004, he put about 342 bucks on his son at 501 odds that he would win the British Open. Little Rory at the time was 14, 15 years old, and he put 342 bucks back then on his boy to win it. So he cashed in a cool check for 171 grand yesterday. That's wow. awesome. Wow. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't put that kind of pressure on my son. I would, the the audacity to believe at what age fourteen, fifteen that your son is going to win a British Open? Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's that's making a lot. That's making a lot on your child. I I I, I would be very leery of doing that because I want to guard against being, you know, that that super parent uh, who thinks their child is the greatest thing ever just because they're advanced as a teenager. God, I've never heard that before. Yeah. Yeah, you never heard that one. Just before. got through with the little league season. <laughs> never heard that before. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm sure that you you dealt with. There's a lot of parents around there who think their kid is going to college uh, and going to the MLB right now. Yes, and would put three hundred forty two dollars oh, yeah. down on it. I'm sure. I'm sure they would. But his dad, uh, the faith, way back in 2004, and then Rory gets it done. Three major championships now at the age of 25. I just said to Mitch, I'm like, how many did Tiger have at the same time? He's like, oh, he had more. We looked it up. There was five. Tiger had five championship, major championships at the age of 25. Rory has three. Tiger is considered the all-time best. Rory, with that win yesterday, has three quarters of a career Grand Slam now, a major championship in the British and the PGA and at the U.S. Open. And the Masters is the only one that he is still looking for. Amazing for a, a kid that he's – he's not a kid. He's 25, but he sure looks like a kid, doesn't he? He still looks like he's 14, 15 out there. Yeah, and he blew a Masters. Yeah. You know? I mean, he, he had it going into uh, to the to the final nine holes, so uh, he could have a, a career slam already. Uh, it just goes to, to, to show, at least he, he – there is a great group of young uh, 20-something golfers right now, and he's absolutely the best of them. 
And if you're looking at it in terms of Tiger, which we look at so much, and in terms of Tiger uh, being able to break, uh, break Jack Nicholas's record, these are the kind of guys you're going to have to go through. And those guys are going to be uh, younger than you. They're going to hit it longer than you and straighter than you. And somehow you're going to have to counteract that. And that's what's going to make this uh, difficult attempt that Tiger Woods has even tougher because he's going to have to stare down at some point a Rory McIlroy and beat him when Rory McIlroy is at uh, his physical best and Tiger Woods is close to the end. If you want to weigh in on the Fernando Rodney situation, we'd love to hear from you at 49451. We'll take your reaction. What would you think when Fernando Rodney put the arrow off in the eighth inning? You like the swagger of Richard Sherman? Did you like it from Fernando? Is the only reason you, you cringe is because they ended up not winning the game? We'll get your thoughts coming up at 49451. Plus, what an outing last night at Safeco Field. 22,000 out to support Richard Sherman and his charity. You'll hear the all the stuff, the important stuff that went on yesterday, the fun stuff as well. Coming up after Check on the Cars. Now back to 10 at 10 with Elise and Jerry. Number five. Some of the reaction coming in pretty strong for um, Fernando Rodney and his antics. Look, he's been brilliant this year. He was the all-star game closer, 27 saves. He hadn't blown a save since May, so blowing the save itself, that is going to happen once in a while. I, I don't care who you are. Um, I did get a, a funny one <laughs> for uh, Fernando Rodney, um, the mistake for Rodney was that his arrow came back and was a boomerang and shot himself right in the backside. That's pretty funny. <laughs> Next time you do it, Rodney, <laughs> make sure it's not a boomerang, buddy. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> that is pretty funny. Yeah. No, I think most of the people on the text line would agree that, you know, Fernando Rodney, he did he forget People are wondering, did he forget it was the eighth and the game wasn't over? Is that what the conclusion is? The only thing is he shot that imaginary arrow. And we're talking about imaginary arrows here. This is our lives. It's pretty funny. He shot that imaginary arrow a little more flat and a little more towards their dugout. So that kind of lends you to believe that he was making a statement where normally Fernando Rodney's imaginary arrow goes up into the clouds. And he and Logan Morrison just look at it like, fools and just wonder where it's going uh so i think i think he i think he knew i think he knew the situation if he didn't that's a whole nother problem from for lloyd mcclinton <laughs> oh wait the game's not over he starts to give his catcher a hug and goes to line up to say good game in terms of the state of fernando rodney i'm not really concerned about him he was gonna blow another save he, he might blow two more saves uh before the end of the season but uh he, you know the way the manner in which he did that you know if I got nothing wrong in sports with with uh, bravado, with with those kind of displays, but you better back it up because when you don't back it up, you look like an idiot. Uh, some of the ones coming in, uh, Fernando Rodney will continue to shoot his arrows, intimidate batters, and save win many more games. No problem. Um, well, that's not the point. The point is he looked like that damn fool on Sunday. Yeah, he did. You know? Another one coming in. I have no problem with the Rodney Arrow in the eighth. That's how he fires himself up. Every time Albert Pujols hits a home run, he drops the bat and admires it. It's a difference. There's a difference between that. He's not taking the bat and using it like it's a gun prop and shooting down the pitcher, right? <laughs> the, the, yeah, the, or even, you know, I mean, th there's a little bit of a difference between a little bit of flair as you watch a home run fly away and 
uh, pretending like you you go back into your little pack and pull out an arrow and shoot it. I mean, it's a, it's just, it's a little different. Um, Ryan Divish asked Fernando Rodney after the game about if the arrow was aimed with any. I mean, look, it's an imaginary arrow. Let's make that clear. But <laughs> exactly, if- <laughs> did you wave that with ill intent? <laughs> it's like the five-year-old that gets in trouble and suspended at school because he says "bang bang" with his finger. Um, yeah, it's not a real weapon. Let's just be sure to clarify. But you know, if he was, because he was, he didn't point it to the sky. He pointed at the Angels' dugout. Was it? To give a message to Mike Sosha, other time spent earlier in his career was it? What was the? And he he said no. He there wasn't anything. I tend to think that there was something more there. Yeah, that he has. You know, in his own mind, there's reason. Athletes they feel slighted at all when he was you know played under Mike Sosha previously. Well, yeah, you could see that he was fired up and he had just it was burning in him and he couldn't wait till the ninth to shoot that arrow. Maybe there's more there. Yeah, sometimes in the in the heat of the moment and competition, intense competition, this was a crazy series, Elise. Sometimes you just get caught up in it and you do something that you ordinarily wouldn't do. I think any of us who's played sports have had those moments. And I think most of us go back and whether we'll admit it, whether we would admit it to a media member or not, we probably go back in our minds and say, well, I wish I hadn't have done that. I just got caught up in the moment. Another text coming in, nothing bothers me more than stupid, uh, quote, baseball etiquette, unquote. That said, nothing bothers me more than celebrating like an idiot with a victory dance when the game is still going on. (laughs) I suppose you just, you know, uh, yeah, both of those things, I guess, are bad. Uh, Another one, I like what Rodney did as long as the M's win. He shouldn't have celebrated prematurely, especially when you have two of the best hitters coming to the plate the next inning. Yeah, that wasn't of the Einstein variety, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, you you better make sure you got seven, eight, and nine in the order coming up. Don't don't have <laughs> yeah. Mike Trout and Albert Pujols. Uh, another one. Rodney gave them the ammunition they needed to beat us. Save it for the end of the game when we've already won it. See, now that's where I would slightly disagree, um, and it's kind of interesting because you would say, I don't think that that necessarily contributed. I think it gave them. You know, it gave them, it put them more emotionally involved. But baseball, once again, it's 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 not, you know, it's so technical and it's so precise. You still got to go up to the plate and get and get your hits and, and put in your quality at bats. I'm not sure that was the motivation that helped uh, Mike Trout and Albert Pujols, you know, come through in the ninth inning. I'm yeah, not but- sure that it absolutely works that way. But at the same time, as I say that, why am I saying that I didn't like Rodney doing it? Because you didn't want to show up the competition and fire them up. Yeah, exactly. And and Tyler Skaggs, the pitcher, said it did fire them up. And not only for yesterday's game when they win in the bottom of the ninth, but for future games that they're going to remember it and tuck it away. Another text coming in. Uh, hey, you know what? Where did it go? Essentially, that this is going to be the start of a new rivalry. That stuff like this fuels and rivalries. And for C- for Seattle and the baseball world. If you're not good, you don't have a rival because nobody cares about you. We laugh because San Diego is our natural rival. That's ridiculous. Who cares about the Padres? Nobody. They're terrible too. But nobody cares about the Mariners because they've been so bad for so long. You can't. Who is the Mariners' rival in baseball? They don't have one. It's got to be the A's or the Angels, right? Or the Rangers. Someday if the Astros are ever good, it has to be one of those teams, right? Now you see the Angels, they're in your division, and if they don't like you – that will be fun for the fans. Yeah, and, and Skaggs can talk all he wants, you know. that That's one of those where you say, well, 
even though I'm saying Fernando Rodney was wrong there, uh, you say to Skaggs, though, bring it on. You know, why not? I mean, this is uh, – we'll see in September. You know, they, they play each other, I think, six or seven times in September, uh, which could be some huge, huge meaningful baseball. And if you want to continue to uh, be grumpy about that, you know, go ahead and carry that into the ninth inning. And, and uh, when Fernando Rodney shoots his arrow at the appropriate time, uh, you'll be feeling really bad about yourself. Gary Payton, it's up next on the 10 at 10. How about the charity golf, or excuse me, charity softball game yesterday at Safeco Field? Number six. We talk about trash talking and whether it's good. Well, Gary Payton is the best in the biz. He still is great trash talker. So is Richard Sherman, Fernando Rodney, kind of some trash talking elements. He didn't do it with words, but with actions. Here's what Gary Payton had to say about Richard Sherman's trash talking. I was a better trash talker in my era, but Richard is a better trash talker now. You know, like I said, I tell everybody, if he can walk in and talk and let him do it, you know. It's a different era nowadays. You know, if he would have been back in my era in the 90s, they would have loved that, and they would have pump, pumped him up more. Now they think it's a negativity that he does that. So, But if he can do it, he can do it. I wouldn't tell him to change himself. He, I told, he asked me about it one time, and I said, no, nah, don't change yourself. Be you. If that's a way to motivate you, motivate you to do what you got to do. As long as you can back it up and do it and be productive about it, he all right. So Fernando Rodney with the arrow, that would echo in Gary Payton's mind what one of the callers, or excuse me, one of the texters said, hey, if you win, I don't care what happens. But if you lose, then it looks really bad. It looks worse. We'll talk about that coming up. Your reaction as well in text line at 49451. Uh, the charity softball game yesterday at Safeco Field, a huge success with over 20 grand there. Uh, we'll tell you about that coming up. It's Elise and Jerry after check on traffic. Now back to 10 and 10 with Elise and Jerry. Welcome back in. It is Elise and Jerry with you here on the 10 at 10. We do it every day starting at 10 o'clock or when Mitch gets off the air late, we started at 10, 10, Jerry. So that's how we roll. Ryan Dev's just coming up at 11 o'clock. We'll get his thoughts. 1102 to be exact about the trade deadline coming up and this team. What did we learn in the series with the Angels? What did he think about the Fernando Rodney arrow? Uh, but a big event yesterday. You heard a little bit from Gary Payton number five on the 10 at 10 about the trash talking and Richard Sherman and the bullet out there. He's absolutely correct. Jerry, if you missed it, Gary Payton talking about, Hey, as long as you back it up, you can talk that trash. That's your personality. If that's what gets you fired up. Certainly Gary Payton, it, it was a part of his game personality. He was on his game and at his best when he was letting it rip. Yeah. It was a uh, strategic as well to get inside people's heads, you know, to make point guards want to go one-on-one with him because he kind of felt like he would win that matchup. You know, if guys weren't distributing the basketball to other players and they wanted to make it a personal challenge, uh, Gary knew that he could lock them down. And then on the other end, the Sonics team as a whole would be better uh, than a team that's diminished by a point guard that has Gary Payton in his head. So uh, there was a lot of strategy to it there. Uh, Richard Sherman um, there's a lot of strategy to to what he's doing. You know, if you can throw, if you can make that wide receiver just a little too anxious, you know, if you can throw him off of his game, if you can have him so focused on trying to beat Richard Sherman and getting into the physical competition with Richard Sherman, maybe that means he's not paying attention to certain things that the quarterback wants him to do. Yeah, well, he definitely baited Tom Brady into throwing that pick in that New England game a couple of years ago, went up and said, 
You know, some things to Tom Brady, and then Tom Brady did indeed try to test him, so it certainly has been a thing. You try to get in somebody's head and play that game, and that was a perfect example against probably one of the most mentally strong players over the last 15 years, Tom Brady. And if it works on him, Richard Sherman, it can probably work on most, right? Yeah, I don't know if he got in his head in terms of making him, you know, make – I mean, Tom Brady is going to make the right read, and he's going to trust his arm – uh, he just didn't make a good throw there. And, uh, you know, anytime the ball is around Richard Sherman, he's got such great ball skills that, that he's going to catch most interception opportunities. Uh, the event yesterday was fun. The MVP, well, it was Lawyer Malloy. That's no big surprise in a softball game uh, when the guy was drafted to play professional baseball and played at the University of Washington. He had a homer. Here's what he had to say, Lawyer Malloy, about the event. It's unbelievable, man. I'm, I'm really proud of uh... – Richard Sherman and, and, and Blanket Coverage uh, uh, Foundation uh, really just for not only bringing our, our city a championship, but also giving back. It's one thing to, to, to be a champion, to get money and whatever, but it's also, you know, once you get there, how many people can you can you bring with you? And that's what he's doing. Yeah, it was a great event, over 22,000 people. Jamal Crawford, he's another local guy doing great things in the community. He knows how hard it is. He's done a softball game previously in the area, too, uh, and the the turnout yesterday was incredible. Here's what Jamal Crawford had to say about Richard Sherman's event. It's been unbelievable. Uh, it shows the support we have in Seattle, all the community efforts that we're doing. Everybody's working together, and it's just been great. And uh, I think to put that event together, it just goes to show you that the 12th man certainly is going to be supportive. That was a great crowd coming out there, Jerry, to, to support a, a good cause. 22,000 people, Wow. Yeah, great crowd, and it's a, it's an affordable ticket for a lot of people who don't get to see see the Seahawks play. At least you get a little bit of a uh, of a chance to look at them in a more intimate uh, environment. And the popularity of, of Richard Sherman in this region uh, among his peers to be able to have Kobe Bryant come out. I mean, Kobe Kobe was just in uh, Italy chilling like just like ten days ago, and and. Um, he, he he was at some kind of uh, Trayvon Martin um, remembrance uh, that was very important to him in the Los Angeles area just the day before that he he came to this event. So uh, for him to come out, uh, that that was tremendous, you know. And it just goes to show the popularity and the influence that Richard Sherman has. You see him with his hat backward. Yeah, hit a homer. It's left-handed, you know. I know. He, he went lefty with it. It went left hand. He looked like Griffey over there. It was pretty funny. They actually said that. Uh, they played the highlights on SportsCenter from the charity softball game. That's how big the Seahawks are. That's that's what is so fun about this. They win. If you win, you're going to be covered. If you win, you will have the attention of the nation. That's pretty cool. You know what I hate about Kobe Bryant? What? The fact that this guy, I mean, we were in the same high school graduate. We're both class of 96 high school graduates obviously him way more prestigious than me at a little Paducah Tillman high school uh Kobe probably hasn't gained a single pound since high school he's only at, made it made himself more muscular me <laughs> yeah big difference you know but I, it's just you know I, for him you know now that he's in his late 30s metabolism has slowed down he's had injuries that he's had to recover from major injuries like the Achilles injury and he always looks like he is in tip-top shape it's 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 unreal he might weigh less right now at least than he did at age 25 well he's got some work to do to come back from the injuries that he's suffered over the last couple of years like you just wonder at what level he's going to come back at
He talked about basketball in Seattle and whether or not we out here in Seattle will ever get to see him not at Safeco Field left-handed, you know, playing softball, but at Key Arena with a basketball in his hand. It used to be so fun. There was always a lot of the Laker fans that would come out with Kobe, and every time he scored in the game against the Sonics, there'd be a loud cheer. I hated that, but he's a huge star with big-time star power. He talked about his thoughts about the importance of basketball coming back to Seattle. There should be a team here. I mean, it's really no uh, no reason for it not to be. I mean, this has always been a phenomenal city. And uh, we used to come here and play the Sonics. It's always been one of the toughest places to play. So hopefully we'll get a team here sooner rather than later. Kobe Bryant, part owner of the Seattle Supersonics. And I think our time will Jeez. come. That's about all I would say. I mean, I think at some point in the next couple years, you know, it's pretty likely that we're going to get an opportunity, and, you know, our job is to be ready when that opportunity comes. So, you know, I think everybody understands what a great sports town this is. Events like this, the Super Bowl, I mean, we really had a chance to showcase it. Again, I think it's inevitable that we'll get a basketball team. It's more a question of when than if. Question of when. Come on, Chris Hansen. Not if. I know. Hey, Kobe Bryant, part owner. It's going to take a while. He'll be retired. He'll you're need not, something to do. You're not kidding right the, now. The, the cool thing to do right now among all these guys is own a sports team. Magic Johnson has, uh, what, the Dodgers, and he's got, uh, what, part uh, is the owner of the WNBA team, the Sparks there. He's tried to get in on the NBA. Shaq is a part owner in Sacramento. Michael Jordan is the is the full owner in, in – uh, uh, in Charlotte, uh, Larry Bird has aspirations to be an NBA owner, so has tried to buy a team. Kobe Bryant, tons and tons of money. I can see him one day wanting to uh, wanting to be an investor in the NBA, and then also I could see Kobe being a, a an investor in a uh, in a in an international soccer club, if not an MLS club. Just club. Gr- growing up, spending so much time in Italy, where he loves the game of soccer. I could I could definitely see that. Yeah, it's nice to hear from Chris Hansen. It's great to have him out at that event, still out there in the public eye, knowing that he went and he did purchase more land in June down in Soto. And we, we talked about it. The he, he said it is inevitable that basketball will be back in Seattle. Question of when and not if, which is very encouraging, except for for the fact of I am I am dying to know when. When is the win? And that could he can't even tell you when. That's why he's not saying anything. At least saying that you you got to have a you got to have a pathway to a team. All those doors are locked right now. See the TV contracts that big thing, and whether or not it would be better for Seattle and the thirteenth largest market. It, what it's gone eleventh to thirteenth is where they're ranked, depending on what you're looking at market in the United States without basketball in the NBA, and it, one that was here for four decades and had tremendous success. Is it better with them in the picture and them guaranteed an expansion team when they're negotiating the TV contract? Or is it better to use that of, no, the owners want that pie, know exactly what they have, and then bring Seattle in as an expansion franchise? Um, I don't think it matters. I don't think it really matters right now. I think it's just a it's a small portion of it all. Um, I think it would, it would make more sense to us, you know, but we're looking at this from a Seattle perspective to have – all your ducks in a row and have that major market uh, really carved out. But uh, I think they're going to get the money. I mean, ultimately, when you look at what's happening in sports television media, um, it's it's such a battle for those rights. And the NBA, the thing about it is everyone everyone else's rights are guaranteed for decades, you know. And the, and the two prize chips right now are the NBA 
and I believe Big Ten football is coming up. And outside of that, so there's going to be a bidding war regardless, and that's probably how they're looking at it. Coming up, Ryan Nivish will give us his thoughts. What happened with the Fernando Rodney era, or air row, excuse me. We hope it's not the end of an era, do we? He's been pitching so well with 27 saves. He didn't get one last night, uh, but we'll see what's going to happen today. They are back in town. The Mets here today, Elias We'll try to break out of a little mini slump of his own. Lots to get to with Ryan Divish coming up next right here, Sports Radio KGR and Comcast Sportsnet.